0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Urbonus podcast. Uh, I am Donatus Urbanas and I am joined by Rita Svišnavskas and probably we should introduce ourselves before we're going to start, right?
1: I believe so, because <laughs> probably not so many people know me. Maybe they know you because you already had some podcasts with other colleagues about interesting topics. I really enjoyed the, the one about Jelko uh, Bradović. In Partizan and, and Devasa is extending his contract with Anadolu, but nobody knows who I am. Yeah, we, we look like two <laughs> random guys yeah. on, on the mic, but here. we're we're both wearing Michael Jordan t-shirts, and we did not discuss this before, so it's a coincidence, yeah. which means probably we're gonna have some good synergy around. Yeah, here.
0: and we are uh, we are against Space Jam too, probably. We're
1: definitely space jam OG Mike for sure,
0: for sure. So that's a good start already,
1: (laughs) yeah. So I I could say that I'm a a sports freak probably in Lithuania, and
0: completely, I mean, sports commentator, yeah, yeah. And you live and breathe basketball actually. Yeah, and and sorry, uh, football also, sorry. sports. So I'm a sports, uh, sports commentator, yeah.
1: but listen, EuroLeague is like the main thing for me throughout the season and, and most broadcasts that I have are EuroLeague games. Uh, it's not only Žalgiris, really, it's the whole EuroLeague season. And I'm interested in every team and everything that's happening in EuroLeague, which is why I thought it's a really great idea to do this podcast with you because you are a guy who has been around for a couple of years as an insider in, in in the basketball world in Europe, and I'm the guy who watches, like, I don't know, one billion games throughout the season, <laughs> NBA, EuroLeague, and everything else. So... I think we could have a really good dynamic duo.
0: Yeah, and we're going to do a weekly pod uh, during the season and we're going to talk mostly about the EuroLeague, uh, but to add about Ritis, uh, I would say, you know, that he doesn't like all these, you know, good words about him. Uh, he's a really he's a really great guy who is fully into, you know, just doing uh, work, not not talking much uh, about it. But Ritis is really okay, let's just not use the word famous, but well-respected commentator in Lithuania, uh, I have to admit that uh, players, uh, coaches in Lithuania really enjoy you commentating uh, games, so uh, this is kind of, you know, a professional compliment, <laughs> no, yeah, nothing I like, like uh, as uh, licking
1: I like how you put it because I really hate words like famous, greatest, Star. the best, whatever, it's not who I'm trying to be, for me it's always about quality and professionalism, and that's what I'm trying to bring uh, to to the EuroLeague games. And, you know, around my teenage years, probably, I realized that EuroLeague is something that I'm so passionate about, not just because Žalgiris is the Lithuanian team representing Lithuania, but other clubs are so interesting. There are so many interesting personalities, coaches, players, and I just grew up watching EuroLeague basketball, you know. And on top of that, I haven't missed a single NBA Finals game live since 2005 Detroit-San Antonio series. So I would consider myself a two-dimensional guy who could really have a conversation on both EuroLeague and the NBA, which I really enjoy both.
0: Yeah, we're going to... I'm not sure yet, but we're going to uh, talk about the NBA also yeah. during the season when we have some certain uh, topics. But yeah, as Ritas uh, said, you know, he watches a lot of basketball and he's like a, you know, basketball encyclopedia. And I hope, you know, to add you with some inside information, I'm I'm talking with EuroLeague teams uh, around the Europe and have some, you know, feedback about their feelings about some situations, some games or like uh, transfer sign-ins on some processes of the EuroLeague basketball. So, I have believed that it's going to be a really quality uh, podcasts, uh, podcasts. We're not about, you know, let's say entertaining, uh, not, not about a show or something. Yeah. We're going to be, a, you know, straight basketball guys. Yeah, I mean, may,
1: we may be not the most charismatic guys yeah. around the world, <laughs> but I hope it will be interesting. And another thing is, um, uh, which is always important, is feedback, you know, so if you guys like something or you don't like something or you think we should add something, always leave comments. We always enjoy having feedback, whether it's positive or or like critical. So feel free. And we are hoping that throughout the year our, I don't know, viewership will be expanding and, and most of the Europe that have EuroLeague teams will be following us at least a little bit.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna have uh, we're gonna talk about some certain topics, but during the season, you know, we might change the format of the podcast to add something. Maybe uh, we're gonna have some Q and A, you know, sessions with uh, our listeners, uh, our followers. If we will have an audience, at some point we
1: might have a button like Charles Barkley has, and I would guarantee something like in the EuroLeague playoffs.
0: But (laughs) let's see what the future brings. Okay, and today we're gonna talk uh, since it's uh, a mid-season. let's say midsummer time, Uh, it's July 16th, and it's also a kind of, you know, uh, finishing point of uh, EuroLeague free agency. Um, Most of the teams, you know, completed their rosters. Some of the teams are just, it looks looks like they're just starting building their rosters. But we're gonna uh, express our opinion about, let's say, league free agency winners and losers so far, and you know, saying losers, we don't mean we don't mean that these teams are you know kind of you know suckers or something like that. Maybe they just lost something you know which was very important for them, and they couldn't you know sign players which uh, could be that kind of level. So probably we're gonna start with the winners. Right? Yeah,
1: we should start with the positive ones yeah. for sure. So listen, um, who's your uh, winner?
0: Winner, winner, number of all one, winners, yeah, yeah.
1: right? Um, listen, uh, I'm I'm stuck here with two teams, so I really wanted to start with the champions. Uh, for me personally, there's a, another team which I'm really impressed about their homework uh, for the upcoming season, but I just wanted to start with the champions if that's okay with you. For
0: sure, for so, sure. So, because it's also my number one.
1: Yeah, because Anadolu, really, we knew all along that it's not about bringing some new guys in. It was all about keeping Vasa and keeping others around him. So if they could do that, we knew that they would have the team that is ready to defend the championship title. And when the news were announced about Vasilia Mitic extending his contract, you could place Anadolu Efes among the winners already because that's, that's the main job. That's what they did. And they are keeping most of the other guys, only certain Shanli is leaving for Barcelona. So I believe that they will be just as strong as they were for the
0: past couple of years. Uh, regarding to Shanli, um, I read some quotes of Ataman regarding his departure. Yeah. And it was, you now just... Uh, Straight Ataman, he he told he, he even uh, said that he called uh, Shanli and he told why you're switching, you know, winning team with the runner-ups, you know, what's what's the idea behind it? So you know, he he took this thing uh, pretty simply. Uh, but uh, what I want to say, yeah, um, keeping Vasily Mitic was not only very important for FS, you know, to keep their core, but also, you know, uh, let's say. Uh, avoid the situation where Vasa was, uh, you know, joining every Euroleague team and making yeah. it, uh, you know, in a much, much better situation before the season because uh, CSK Moscow was really close to signing in, uh, signing him. Uh, they put a one, 11 million offer on the table for for three years, and for FS it was not so easy, you know, to match it. So did a, they did a really good job because if Vasa was gone, you can only imagine, you know, what would have they do, you know, on the market because the point guard market is is really dry Uh, this summer. uh, You can look at teams like TSK or Zenit, you know, if TSK won't be able to bring Kevin Pangos, uh, they're going to put themselves in a pretty complicated situation, you know, because probably they're going to take some risks like maybe Zenit will do with Shabazz and Napier, what we read uh, from all the reports in Europe. So it was really important uh, move for uh, FS and Probably they got the, you know, GM of the year, Executive of the year award uh, for a reason. I mean, Alper Yilmaz just got it, received it a week ago or something. But, you know, it's not only Alper Yilmaz, it's all FS organization. As far as I know, Ergin Ataman is, mm, I wouldn't say that, you know, he's fully responsible for full roster, but he has, you know, a uh, very strong word on picking the players and it's a amazing job, job what he did uh, three years ago, you know, building this uh, core and just switching some very small elements of this roster.
1: Yeah, listen, for uh, Mr. Ataman, I wouldn't even use the word coach. I would say manager because in football, uh, these type of coaches, like, I don't know, Guardiola or Mourinho, they are, they are called managers because they are not just coaching a team, they are building a team. And I believe that's what Dergin Ataman has been doing in Anadolu Efes successfully. And I do remember when he first came and he replaced uh, Perasovic. And in that season, they were dead last. And they played the last game, I believe, in in, in Bosconia, And they won it. Uh, they still finished last. And it was the television interview where Coach Ataman said... Uh, Next year, we're going to come back and we're going to fight for the title. And at that time, it might have sounded a little bit funny because how, you're, how are you going to fight for the title with this team that yeah. hasn't had any famous success for yeah? you know, such things? But then they came back, really, and they brought all these guys to places. I think the only guy that was with them when they finished last was Kronoslav Simon. All the other guys were built th- throughout the Maybe years. Maybe Brian
0: Dunstan also?
1: I'm not sure, but oh, okay. but, but really, probably Kronoslav Simon is, is the one that remembers that he was with this team when they finished last in in, in the EuroLeague. And so when they built this team, they brought all these players, you cannot underestimate the job that uh, coach Ataman did. Uh, some might say he's not the biggest tactician, like preparing, but that's not what they need. The modern-day basketball is not about sets, it's not about having this playbook with with a lot of set plays it's about having the right spacing and the right players in correct positions and everybody knowing their roles and when you see them extending a guy like james sanderson who is an american player with like 12 minutes per game and 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 2.8 average but they're extending him because he fits the system that's like the nba model and they are Anadolu Efes is now the team to follow in Europe how you build a successful team and how you win championships. So a lot of respect for 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 Ergin Ataman, a lot of respect for the club and uh, another thing Shane Larkin, I believe he has has an option to go to the NBA but probably he's staying, right?
0: Yeah, it seems like it's he's staying.
1: Yeah, so, think so everyone's staying except of Serta Shanli, which they could replace with Jock Landil, what, from what we're hearing. So yeah. that, that would be another addition. And just one more thing about Anadolu, which I wanted to say. Right now, they look like favorites, probably title contenders, mm-hmm. at least. But in one or two years time, they're going to have to rebuild this team. I think eventually Vasily Amicic will go to the NBA. Yes, yeah, sooner, and, sooner, sooner and than later. Most of these guys, they are aging veterans, Dunstan, Simon, uh, Singleton, Bobois, Bobois, yeah. So in one or two years time, there's going to be a massive rebuild, like in one summer, they will be signing six or seven new players. But for now, I believe the mindset is that we can still have a go. We can still have a chat with this group of guys. And I do respect that. I respect people who have the motivation to defend what they earn. Like Ataman said, they're not one-time, they're two-time EuroLeague champions. But just because of the pandemic, it was not official.
0: Yeah, I liked liked, uh, you mentioned the word manager, not coach. Uh, I remember I was listening to the some Serbian podcast block-po-block, something like that. And uh, coach uh, Aleksandr Djikic was on that on that podcast and probably he was uh, interviewing Ettore Messina with his colleague. And he also mentioned that now coaches became not coaches like we used to it. You know, they are managers right now with such a tough schedule with, you know, such a kind of let's say shortage of uh, practices yeah. when you don't have whole week to change things during the games it's really uh, like about managing the workload managing the personalities managing the players and ataman is kind of you know mm, He's like following what Pablo Lasso was doing in previous years and why he was so successful with Real Madrid. So it's like another dynasty in the EuroLeague. Like we had Real Madrid, now we have Anadolu Efes and probably we're going to enjoy this dynasty for for at least one uh, or two years.
1: They have the financial resources, you know, even when the rebuild comes they do have the finances to do it correctly and they do have the personnel and the know how. So that is very important. And yeah, what, what, what you mentioned about, um, uh, coaches being managers as well, uh, it is true that nowadays it, you don't have that much time to prepare for each game. You don't have so that, that many practices and it, it really shows which of those older coaches, uh, adapted to the situation. And, there are probably some coaches that didn't, and they do not fit in the modern-day EuroLeague. And Coach Ataman is one of those who do fit, because really, prior to the Anadolu FS project, we knew him as this very strict guy, Turkish coach who shouts a lot on the sidelines. He had some titles with Galatasaray and, and, and some other teams. He coached in Italy, but he had the reputation of, this guy who is...
0: Yeah, he has some crazy punishments, yeah. like uh, <laughs> keeping his players in the hotel until they're going to win the game or like you know losing the game in Turkish Championship uh, Championship when coming home by bus and having a practice at 5 or 6 in the morning. At, at least what players yeah. are saying, you and, know? And all of a sudden,
1: there's this radical shift to him becoming sort of an NBA type of coach who is man-managing, who is just setting players into the right places, his team what I like about Anadol FS and the way they play. It's the perfect spacing. You know, the Euroleague court is so narrow compared to the NBA, but they stretch it to the limits. And they have these creators, these playmakers, that they, they do not need to follow some sets. They know how to play basketball. They know what to do with the ball in their hands. And Vasa Mitsic, before moving to Anadol FS, he had a season with, with coach Saras in Ralgiris. In we saw him a sort of talented guy, Who works on the court. Some kind of facilitator. Did you really believe he had it in him to be the MVP?
0: Not really. I loved Vass already. He was a great uh, backup for Kevin Pangos or the guy who was playing uh, together with Pangos on the court, but I didn't believe that there's so much potential in him. Yeah, so this again shows that um, the
1: player needs environment where he can, I don't know, show the best version of himself and once again, credit to coach Ataman.
0: Yeah, and the Coach also needs the environment where he has full trust from the front office and what can I say about uh uh, GM of uh, FS Alper Ilmaz he's the one who you know if not him if not the front office of FS Ataman wouldn't have you know so much freedom on picking the players you know deciding how to play how to build a winning team but Ilmaz is one of these the GMs who is giving you know full trust on these coaches and of course if something is going wrong then he, he would make some changes but now you know he, he did a good job you know uh, giving it all to, to Ataman and it's just a great you know it's just great for a message uh uh, staying not just you know from a fan standpoint, but from the EuroLeague standpoint also, because too many great players are heading to the NBA, too many great players are waiting for the NBA opportunities uh, to, through the free agency or in summer league. So it's a huge win for the EuroLeague basketball because uh, yeah, it's it's sad to see you know it, it, from one point from one side it's great to see Campazzo, Deck, you know, Vildoza coming to the NBA, but at the same time uh, I don't see you know the same uh, kind of uh, flow coming from the yeah. NBA world, you know, to, to join the EuroLeague teams.
1: But to be honest, I'm really intrigued to see Vasa Mityš in the NBA maybe next season. because In a good situation, let's say. Because OKC situation was tricky. But it he would have like guaranteed minutes in there, I believe, because they are rebuilding, they have a young team. If Theo Maledon is getting minutes there, Vasa Micic can just become the main point guard straight away. But uh, why I want to see him in the NBA and why I wanted to see him even this year. And after the final four, I really thought that this is it. This is the goodbye to the EuroLeague and he is going to the NBA. And that would kind of remind me of how Luka Doncic left the EuroLeague. Of course, he was a teenager. uh, He was much younger at the time than Vasa Micic and his ceiling is much higher. But the style of play that this Serbian point guard was showing for the past couple of years kind of reminds me of Luka Doncic dominating the, dominating Europe in that Real Madrid uh. jersey. So if Vasa Mitic would have decided to go to the NBA now and take his talents maybe to OKC, I would be very intrigued to see him there. But OK, probably next year or the year after, because as I... As I see, the contract is like 1 plus 1 plus 1. Every 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 summer summer he has an NBA out, so eventually it will probably happen.
0: Okay, so let's go to another uh, Turkish team. Uh, I put uh, Fenerbahce Istanbul as my uh, Euroleague winners uh, of the free agency so far. Uh, because, you know, I, I I compare the departures and also the new players coming. And I see that, for example, Pérez Henry replaced Lorenzo Brown. I see that uh, they're going to have Devin Booker and Aquila Polonara instead of Johnny Hamilton, for example, or Kylo Quinn. Uh, also, OK, I'm not so sure yet about Mario Shayok, what he's going to offer for the team. Uh, he was playing in Bursa the last season. He was probably one of the top scorers, scoring 19 points per game in Turkey. Uh, but he's going to replace Ulanova and Gerald Eddy, who couldn't adjust uh, to Kokoško's game, even though he had hopes that both of them going to be successful. But in overall, I, I... I see that this team uh, retained their main players like uh, Goodrich, like uh, De Kolo, like Jan Vesely. There were many rumors that many of these guys, maybe even all of these guys going to leave the team, but they retained their key players Uh, players uh, with whom, you know, they played good basketball the last season. They also signed players who are already ready uh, to shine. I mean, they already proved themselves in the EuroLeague uh, comparing to the last season when Fener tried to buy some, let's say, hungry players just, you know, looking for that uh, leap in the EuroLeague, I think that they got uh, deeper, more solid and uh, if they're gonna, you know, find a good chemistry, I think that uh, they're gonna be better than the last uh, season. I don't say that they're gonna be better than the last season uh, in terms of, you know, uh, having higher place in the standings because they already made the playoffs, uh, but at, at least I see that they're gonna, you know, um, avoid uh, such a you know such holes during the season like they had in the beginning, in the first part of the last Euroleague season.
1: Yeah, but last season I believe that some of the things were out of control f- for the club, for the coach. First of all, COVID. Like if they would gone to yeah. the, would have gone to the playoffs with a healthy squad, with Jan Vesely prepared without any ankle issues, without COVID, uh, they were flying to Moscow without the head coach. It's a problem, however you put it, it is mm. a problem. So they d- really didn't stand a chance against uh, CSK, which was beatable at that time. And oh, yes. and, and Fenerbahce, on other circumstances, could, 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 could have made yeah. a Final Four. So uh, I do agree with you that probably the signings they made are uh, are good. Uh, Marco Gudrich, when he came last season, he was a game changer. Uh,
0: the team looked dead. Remember mm. how they got beaten in, in Konos? Yeah, I remember uh, Meli Mamatoglu, you know, kicking that ball. Some might have thought it, it, it
1: was the last game for Kukoshko. Igor Koshko. Yeah, yeah. Right? But they believed in him. They said, OK, we're going to bring in Goodrich. Maybe some good things will happen in the second part of the season. Last year was like the pandemic year. It was difficult for most of the teams. Anadolu was struggling in the first part of the season because of COVID, because they ha- didn't have any preseason. And so they turned it around. They really played at times some beautiful basketball. However, I still have some doubts about Fenerbahce. And first of all, I'm still not fully convinced that Igor Kokoshkov belongs to those elite coaches in the EuroLeague. You saw what happened with the Serbian national team. Mm, you, that's concerning. Sometimes you see that like Fenerbahce plays too predictable. You don't really see a big game plan on defense when they meet these type of teams like Barcelona, Nadol and others. So I still have some doubts.
0: But, you know, you can also say that FS play uh, predictable basketball, but now Fener, maybe Fener plays predictable basketball, but now they have more talent on the court. Yeah, but FS have chemistry, which you built throughout the
1: years, right? And this is still a team that is kind of new, like Pierre Henry is coming in. Okay. And this is where I have another doubt. Pierre Henry, I'm not doubting his skill set. He's an extremely athletic point guard. He's he, he seems very motivated. He seems very emotional. He can lead the team. He can have those nights with like a double double 18 points, 12 assists. He can defend. He defends like crazy one on one defense. He's amazing. But him playing with Nando De Colo, potentially this could be one of the biggest duos in the EuroLeague. However, I do see another scenario where Nando De Colo, I don't know him personally, of course, but I saw a lot of games where he plays. He seems to me like a perfectionist, like a guy who demands 100% from everybody else around him. And Pierre Henry is sort of unpredictable. At times he can be chaotic, at times his decision-making might make the coaches go crazy, right? And if Nando De Colo gets frustrated with Pierre Henry and you don't have chemistry with these two key players of yours, you could have a problem. You have Van Vesely, one of the best pick-and-roll big men in in Europe. He feels comfortable playing with Nando. I do believe he can have a good relationship with Pierre Henry as well. I like the additions of Polonara and Devin Booker. It's okay. It's just that I still have some doubts about Fenerbahce, whether they will be the elite team challenging for the Final Four next season.
0: Yeah, that's the other question. But probably the main idea is that they really got stronger. They have more talent. And, you know, the question about uh, the caller, probably you you can, you know, raise this question every season or in every team where the caller is playing because he's the guy who really likes to have ball in his hands. And as I said, he's a perfectionist and he's probably not so easy, you know, to play with. But I don't know. I believe that uh, Piri Henry still is a big improvement comparing to Lorenzo Brown. Brown is also good. He has good skills, but in my eyes, he just you know couldn't involve others as probably he should. In, Not in very that consistent. Team. Yeah, it was it was hard season. Yeah. I expected a bit better things for them.
1: Another thing, Aquila Polonara. He had his breakthrough season with with Basconia. It will be interesting to see how. Igor Kokoshkov sees him in, in in his team, whether he's a four or he's a five. Because last season we saw Kokoshkov really liked going big, like with Vesely at four, uh, Ahmed Duviraglu starting at five, sometimes even Vesely playing with Kylo Quinn on the court. And it will be interesting to see how he can fit Akilia Polonara in this team. Because, uh, for example, in, in Dusko Ivanovich's team, Akila Polonara would be starting as a four but finishing games as a five because he's good in switch-all defense. And he seemed to me like a guy who came to the right place at the right right time. That's true. I'm still not so sure if Aquila Polonara is like a superstar in in EuroLeague. There were moments where he was flying like Blake Griffin in his uh, Clippers days, right? And I'm hoping he can do that in Fenerbahce, but I just have some questions because Kokoshkov, he was signing guys like Ulanovas. He knew Ulanovas is going to be there. You should know what are his strengths. I would call that not that Ulanovas did not, Mm -hmm. I don't know, meet some criteria. It was mismanagement. If you're not playing to the player's strengths, then why are you signing him?
0: What was actually surprising, because when he signed him, Kokoshko told that you don't need and uh, to do anything you know new. It was not uh, usual for you. I saw how you played in Jargris and I want you to do the same in Fener. So he's a post-up player. But we didn't and see the, any post-up they, game they in Fener. Were, there yeah. were
1: no post-ups for Ulanova in Fener. So it kind of makes you think if, if once again, if Kokoshkov knows the Euroleague that well and knows what players he needs be successful in euroleague i'm I'm not just i'm not saying he's a bad coach for sure i could i could Cannot say that.
0: And you know, it's it was a first Euroleague season yeah. for him. He's gonna yeah. make adjustments, uh, and you know he can also improve in the Euroleague. But the another question is probably if he's gonna stay with Fener. We see all these reports about uh, Dallas uh, Mavericks, uh, Jason Kidd, you know, trying uh, to uh, invite Kokoshkov to the coaching staff. So it's not clear yet. Probably we're gonna know something in the upcoming days. But if they would need to make such a coaching change, it would be crazy because I don't see many good coaches available on the market uh, with all the respect to coach, for example, Svetoslav Pesic or Georgievich uh, is also on the market. But I would, you know, I, w- I feel that Fener probably would look for another crazy scenario like Koshkov uh, was, you know, to invite somebody from from the NBA environment. But that's another thing. Uh, if If you are searching for a new coach
1: midsummer, that coach is going to come in he's going to coach somebody else's team because the new coach did not sign these players. Yeah, of course, any coach should be able to work with the Colo and Vesely. That's, that's a fact, but still when you are starting with a new team, you would like to have a say in, in what players we are signing. And it would be difficult for a new coach, I believe, to come here and and create his system and, and be successful in the first year. You need time, but that's the good part. I do see that Fenerbahce management, they are patient. If they didn't sack Kokoshkov after oh, yeah. that beating in Kaunas, it means they are patient, they are willing to give time, they are willing to wait. They were all learning for, from Jelko Bradovic. They realized how hard it is to win titles in, in Euroleague, how hard it is to be in the final four consecutive years. So I do believe that this club is in the right hands, in the right, mani- they have the right management to be successful in the future, but next season I still have so th- some doubts about them. Okay, what do you?
0: What else do you have on well, your? Well, I really wanted winners. to talk
1: about Real Madrid. Okay, you may not agree with me on this one,
0: at least not completely.
1: Let's but, say, but listen, I do like what they have done. Uh, in the context of Florentino Perez, club's president, constantly speaking in the media about the financial collapse in, in pandemic years, how football doesn't have any money, uh, how they cannot sign any big players for the football team. And you do think hearing this, do they have anything for basketball? And they probably use the money they got from the buyouts of Campazzo and DEC and they used money wisely, I would say. Uh, so I will extend my uh, thoughts about Real Madrid signings. Uh, last year, they were not playing Real Madrid basketball. Pablo Lasso did not have the instruments. He had to adjust. They became a more defensive, slow team. But we know that Real Madrid's basketball is fast-paced, transition freeze, uh, very talented, creative point guards. The team is running and gunning, and they needed players to do that. So they got out and signed Thomas Hertel, who's a scoring point guard, has loads of experience, And at this point, I believe he will have a lot of motivation to prove himself after what happened in Barcelona. I believe that's a great signing. And then they signed Nigel Williams-Goss, extremely athletic point guard who loves to play fast breaks. I saw his games in, in Krasnodar last season. He seemed improved as a shooter from comparison, his season in Olympiacos. He's so confident. Uh, He's good on defense. He seemed like easily coached, no problems with him at all. Yeah, Nigel
0: is really a great kid. Yeah, so From what I've heard, he's a very smart, mm well-educated guy and he for sure would have been an upgrade for probably every Euroleague team. So again, a player that I believe fits the system and with these two point
1: guards, they can get back to playing Real Madrid basketball. And then you look at the big guys, Vincent Poiré, he joined last season but he couldn't play in the EuroLeague, right? He could only play in the Spanish League, and now he's joining the team for the full season. So you have two centers. You have Walter Tavares, who is the biggest impact maker on the court in the whole EuroLeague. He's like the center who impacts every single shot that the opponents take from the paint. On the other side you see him as an improved offensive player he brings double doubles consistently he's again a great character amazing and then you have another center poire who before leaving to uh, for the nba in bosconia was one of the best pick and roll centers on the offensive end in in euroleague so that's great balance and then you have another problem Anthony randolph is um, in a rehab from his achilles injury it's a horrible injury and uh, it takes time to come back and not every player comes back as strong as he was. Uh, so what do you do? You sign Gershonia Busella for the power forward spot, which is a player, I believe, that is kind of underrated from what I saw last season playing in as well. He, he's such a good passer. Everyone's talking about what he can bring on, on, on defense. Uh, He has a strong body, but he's such a good passer. And that's another thing that Pablo Lasso needs in his team, players who can pass the ball. So with these signings, I do see Real Madrid coming back to the elite. I do see them doing big things. Even last season with all these problems, they were so close to the final four. They were in the finals of the Copa del Rey and and, and the Spanish league. So you trust coach Lasso because last season he has proven that this is his team and he knows what he's doing. This is why I like what Mm -hmm. Real
0: Madrid has done this summer. Yeah. Listening to you, I'm already started, <laughs> you know, to love what Real Madrid was doing this summer. You know, there are just some, you know, question marks I can I can make. Okay. Uh, first of all, if Nigel William Goss, you know, he still still didn't uh, prove himself as a solid EuroLeague playmaker who can lead the team. You know, he didn't have a great uh, season in Olympiacos. He didn't play in the NBA. Later, he joined the Eurocup team, but you know, he still has a lot of to prove. Uh, I like Gershany Busela. For me, he's like you know a uh, version of Boris Diaz. Uh I, I see similarities between their asses too, not just because of their you know uh, game style. Pooria, uh, yeah, for sure, uh, for sure, it's an uh, it's an upgrade uh, comparing to. F- probably we have to compare him with Alex Taeus, uh, so he's better. Yeah. For sure, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, okay. Real Madrid actually didn't sign any solid uh, backup center the last season, and they um, give a lot of uh, responsibilities for Usman Garuba, yeah. which future is also probably not so clear uh, so far. Uh, we're going. Well, see. he's a
1: lottery pick, so yeah. we are assuming he would be leaving for if the NBA. If he's
0: staying, that's also another upgrade for Real Madrid because he's for sure going to be better. Thomas Artell. Also, he's he's very skilled, talented guy, but probably it's a matter uh, of how he gonna adjust the team, how he gonna you know um, change the chemistry of, of the team because there were some question marks about his you know personal abilities. But yeah, I in a long term situation, I see that he 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 might be a better player than, for example, Nicolas Laprovittola was for Real yes, Madrid.
1: he's like more experienced in the in, in the Euroleague level and. He's a scoring point guard, and that's what Real Madrid needed last season. They were craving for someone who can score from this point guard position because Carlos Alonso, he's he's growing, he's developing, but it's too early to give him like 20 minutes in EuroLeague. And now they have a full roster. We know that Pablo Lasso loves rotation. He loves going deep in his roster, using like 14 players. Some guys play on... Adam Thursday, Hange Thursday is coming. night, yeah, Adam, if Adam Hanga is coming, yeah, they just th- announced that's another uh, good Barcelona addition.
0: just announced that uh, okay. he's leading, so he's on his way to Real okay, Madrid. So now, so.
1: Real Madrid, uh, they are keen on signing guys who have played in Spain. That They don't need that much time, they, they know the league, they know the environment, and Pablo Lasso is using his full roster, like some guys play on Thursday night in a EuroLeague regular season game, then other guys get more minutes on Sunday night, and in the Spanish league game, and he's sort of a coach who treats uh, EuroLeague regular season like the NBA regular season, Mm -hmm. where you have like a paper where you have written, this guy enters the game like in the middle of the second quarter, then this guy enters in the third and it works for him. But last season he couldn't do that because he didn't have the depth in his squad. They lost I some key see, players, yeah. they could not replace them, they had injuries and all these problems, and he just had to depend on Walter Tavares playing like 36 minutes. And now they can get back to who they are. And uh, when you raise those question marks, I believe these are good question marks about Artel, about Williams-Goss, of course he still has to prove himself. Uh, prove himself. I just believe these guys fit the style of play that Real Madrid plays, mm. and that's all. And they are still surrounded by veterans, they're surrounded by shooters, They're not depending on Sergio Yule, for example, as much as they were uh, before his injuries. Now he can be the guy who comes for 10 or 12 minutes to give some energy.
0: That's yeah, it. but in the end of the day, you know, why I said that, you know, I cannot completely agree with you, yeah. e- even though I come uh, agree with you in, in a big part of it. Uh, I just think that, you know, Facundo Campasso, Gabriel Deck are still, you know, better players than Nigel William Goss and Gershel Yebiseli. Okay, Poirier and Hurtel is uh, improvement comparing to other guys, but still, I, I compare the… Of Real Madrid, which started the last season, uh, to this one, which they're gonna start uh, for the next season. So, but in if this we add okay, it's that, it's that a, changes. At l- I would anything. say that they made their best to find good pieces, you know, to to replace all these uh, great guys.
1: Because I would say it's Hunger replacing Deck more than Yabusele yeah. replacing Deck. Uh, G- Gabriel Deck was playing more like in the free spot. So, maybe Yabusele is replacing
0: he, he, uh, Garuba, let's say, potentially,
1: potentially, because. Deck moved to the four mm. when Randolph tore his Achilles, but mainly he was playing as a free and he was playing very aggressive mm. and we know how good he was. Hanga brings defense on the table. Uh, he can be good on offense as well. Maybe he was not used that much in, in Barcelona and in Yesikiewicz's team, but he can be good on offense as well. He's very athletic, has this crazy wingspan. And I really like when you said uh, about Yabusele, the, uh, that comparison with Boris Dio because I do see him as well as a, v- a player with a very high basketball IQ, which I like, which I always admire, especially for the big guys, yeah.
0: Okay, so actually this is it. I mean, this is my list of clear winners of agency. Do you have anything else? Because I have some borderline winners, let's say.
1: Well, I wanted to mention not like the biggest winners, But the team that I believe will make a strong comeback after last season, which was kind of frustrating, is is Maccabi Tel Aviv. Okay. I wanted to mention them because I also believe they made good signings. But at the same time, just because uh, they're trusting Yanis Fyropoulos, I believe he's a great coach. which is a good thing. Last season, they were so unlucky. They lost so many games with buzzer beaters, overtimes. They were, well, they so were
0: late with you know, signing the players because yeah. their season in Israel uh, yeah. took longer than everybody else.
1: So they're definitely playoff material. Just they couldn't prove it last year. And now the additions. Jalen Reynolds is coming back. He played in Maccabi previously, but when he did that, he was not so good. We didn't know his abilities. He was probably just a center for a short term. They had Otello Hunter. Now he is coming back to Tel Aviv after a very strong season with Bayern. And we do see him as one of the best centers, best pick and roll centers right now in EuroLeague. He needs to be coached. He needs to be managed. He needs control. And that's where Yanis Faropoulos comes in. Uh, coach, which I believe is a very strong personality, and he can coach guys like Jalen Reynolds. And Derek Williams is one of my favorite Americans
0: in EuroLeague. Just because of his IQ, because... But we didn't see his full potential here here in Europe, right? Would you agree? Or in in Munich you think that he he had the best season in Europe?
1: I believe in Bayern, he at times looked like LeBron James' version Mm. in
0: EuroLeague. He was doing...
1: He was all over the place, actually. You could compare him to Will Clyburn at that time. Well, maybe he's more more of a four than a three. And Maccabi is a club that has a great tradition with American players. Uh, American players that may not play so well in Spain or in other countries, but they find themselves very happy in Tel Aviv. And Derrick Williams is such a smart player. He's a smart guy. I I mean, he has some issues, his three-point shot, he's inconsistent attacking from distance, but he's very athletic, very smart. He immediately, when he came to the EuroLeague, gave me the impression that this is the guy who could take a a big paycheck in China uh, because he's a high draft pick in the NBA, he has the reputation, he could go there. But he seems hungry for basketball and for winning. And that's a great addition to any team. And I do believe that we will see a great season from Derek Williams be, because he was not so great in Fenerbahce, in Valencia. He had some moments, but he also had some injuries. And uh, I I rate him very highly. Like I said, he's one of my favorite American players in, in EuroLeague.
0: Yeah. And when we talk about Fenerbahce or Valencia, it seems like he was, let's say, coached too much in these teams. We know with Zilko's system, uh, how strict he is with uh, his roles in uh, his team. And then in Valencia, it seemed like, you know, he, Derek Williams was not himself uh, because maybe Ponce now didn't give him so much freedom he was not so important not let's say key player uh, in his offensive game which was uh, a bit strange so uh, it was not, you know, Derek was not in his own shoes. But yeah, as you said, you know, Maccabi is that team which usually gives freedom to the players. And even though if uh, Sviropoulos is the coach who is known for controlling his team, I, I see a big difference uh, from Sviropoulos in Olympiacos and uh, F- Sviropoulos in Maccabi because he also adjusted. Because in Israel, in, in Tel Aviv, you have to adjust uh, to the players and to the culture uh, you have in your hands. And yeah, James Nunnally is another uh, yeah. amazing uh, addition. Veteran shooter. Yeah, veteran shooter, uh, the guy who's all—I mean, all these guys uh, makes this team so entertaining, so attractive to to watch. And my only question uh, is: I also think that they are winners. They had a really important summer. They were building the team, and it was a mm, very tough time for uh, for the team, you know, to make some important decisions. Uh, but I see a lot of offensive potential. But at the same time, you know, there is a question: if Giannis, you know, gonna Control all these egos on the court, uh, all these players who would like to have ball in their hands, and how all these guys like you know Wilbikin, Also, we have Keenan Evans, inexperienced uh, EuroLeague. Yeah, Cameron uh, and Taylor. Yeah, Cameron Taylor. Taylor. I mean, there are still some questions, Mars. How are they gonna fit uh, team chemistry and you know winning basketball?
1: Well, for sure, I cannot say that much about Taylor or Evans. Uh, sometimes you gamble with these type of players. Great score in Israeli league doesn't necessarily mean he will be a great scorer in the EuroLeague. So, yes, there there are some positions where probably they're gambling. Uh, but Scotty will he needs help. This is what we learned, especially last year. He's a guy who has some constant problems with his ankles. He gets injured a lot. He's a streaky shooter. On some nights he seems unstoppable, but there are some nights where he just... Cannot make a shot, and he seems like nervous, not happy on the court. But he can be a leader. I'm expecting a strong season from Scotty Wilbekin. I'm expecting that he will take a lot from the, what happened last year and will be better this this season. And uh, another thing I wanted to say about Derek Williams, he mentioned the, his situation with Jelko Bradovic, and in Valencia, uh, the good thing is that when he was in these spots he did not seem like he didn't make he, problems he didn't make yeah. problems he did not seem that he's unhappy that he displeased he just did what the coach told him and that's it he worked hard on the, on on the court and he even said that jelko uh, Bradovich in his book is 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 uh, next to lebron james in terms of basketball IQ which means he realized that jelko is coaching him and and he is doing all these right things it's just that maybe this season they are not clicking so well Uh, once again this shows that he is a smart basketball player
0: yeah okay And i also have my borderline winners okay and i think that you know csk moscow is kevin pangos away from being the winners of this euroleague free agency because if they're gonna manage you know to sign him finally it would be a huge improvement uh, for their backcourt which already looks uh, amazing you have daniel hackett now they have they gonna have Alexei Shved who is uh, has a done deal uh, with CSK they also uh, kept uh, Ife Lundberg also bring Marius Grigonen, so it's unbelievable backcourt and only question is you know how uh, coach Tud is gonna spread all these minutes and how he gonna make all these uh, guys happy but Pango's would be a huge addition the only problem is that I'm hearing that there is some serious NBA interest uh, from the NBA and he's for sure waiting for the free agency uh, there are some rumors that maybe there is uh, one NBA team who can give you know promise for Kevin uh, to bring him to the NBA and you know if that happens if he's going to the NBA it's going to be really hard for CSK to find some somebody you know to replace him uh, because it seems like they also have a let's say, agreement with Kevin, if you're not going to the NBA, uh, you're going to, going to play for CSKA Moscow. And if Pangos is gone, you know, they're gonna have to take some risks, uh, probably to sign somebody from the NBA market, some, okay, let's say borderline NBA players. And it's gonna be a big uh, bet in my eyes. And, uh, but you know, if Kevin is coming to Moscow, it's gonna be a great team because we we cannot forget that Nikola Milutinov uh, will be on the team. Uh, if Lundberg, as I said, he finds some chemistry in, in Moscow and all the other players. I mean, it's a it's a great, complete uh, roster they have. And even with all these problems, uh, Mike James' situation, he was in and out. Uh, all these problems like injuries, Milutinov, uh, COVID situation. They were, let's say, very close of making EuroLeague finals. I mean, they challenged... Uh, Uh, challenged their opponents in the semifinals, and they were not so far away. So with all these improvements, again, they're going to be complete title contenders for the next season.
1: Well, I do have to agree, but listen, the signing of Alexei Shved, it's... um, (laughs) That's another topic. Yeah, and it's an interesting one. For the past, well, I could say a couple of years, but in pandemic, there was a season that did not finish and players were not playing basketball, but let's say for the last three years, Alexis Schwed was playing sort of G League basketball. Will he convert back to playing Euroleague basketball where you have to be competitive, where you have to make sacrifices for the team, where you have to listen to your coach? You will not be a 36 minutes per game guy who takes 25 shots. It's impossible in this team. You will have to adjust to the situation. I mean, coach Itudis is great for talented offensive players because CSK Moscow is another modern Euroleague team that does not have too many like sets. They put emphasis on spacing, on the numbers game, from which positions they want to attack and mismatches. Dimitris Itudis is one of the best at finding mismatches where they can attack the opponent, like you mentioned the semifinal of the Euroleague. Will Clyburn was just g- going like a train because that was the mismatch they had, and they needed needed to use it, and they use it to the limits. But Alexei Shved, how do you see this working? I mean, I mean, do you believe like this summer after what happened in Himki, maybe Alexei Shved, I don't know, had a dialogue with himself where he said. Listen, I, I still want to be a champion, I want to win things. Of course, he's talented enough, but you did not see him on Himki, like he's hungry for, for trophies or something like that. You, you saw him in this like environment where he can just do what he wants, win or lose, whatever. He has his 20 points per game and his like nine assists, doesn't matter the field goal percentage or the turnover ratio. How do you see this? I don't
0: see Alexei having this conversation with himself because he's so easygoing and relaxed person uh, of the court, and he, he probably he's still in LA, you know, spending his summer time, and he's he's really relaxed about his situation. Uh, okay, but coach too, this is demanding. He's demanding effort. That, that's the biggest question. Uh, question, you know, uh, I mean. Uh, why the hell they were inviting alexis schwed after having this mike james experience you know because i see a lot of similarities uh, also in their game style they are both offensively let's say two of the talent uh, most talented uh, scorers uh, in the euro league uh, but neither of them uh, already proved that they can be you know leaders uh, of the winning team when we talk about the euro league and that's the question which uh, uh Alexei didn't give us an answer uh, yet. He can be a leader for uh, let's say bottom Euroleague team or like a playoff uh, contenders. Uh and I don't see him, let's say, accepting the role the role of being just a you know a role player like maybe he was back in, in the day when he was playing for, for Jonas Kozlauskas, Probably it was also a Tore Messina when he was just you know a small piece of all the CSK pictures. So that's the crazy question because I know that Vatutin uh, and and uh, Itudis they probably had mixed opinions on Alexey and if if he can succeed with this team and I believe that both of them don't have that answer but the pr- uh, the thing is that they also needed some good Russian players. Uh, Alexey's price was not so high uh, because uh, first first of all he already you know earned a lot during his career and also yeah. there are some rumors that. Uh, some sponsors of Himki, you know, they were responsible for the contract, not the club. And maybe they're gonna, you know, pay the difference of the new uh, Schwedz contract with CSK and the last one with, with uh, uh, Himki. But but, but Dimitri Satudis is concerned about winning
1: basketball games and coaching yeah. his team and he showed with Mike James that he he's not going to make compromises because this player has a contract and, and Maybe he,
0: they made some agreements, you know, if there will be some problems, they're going to cut uh, Schwed like we, they did with Mike James. I don't know. I'm just, you know, it's it's crazy for me to understand when they have so much, you know, uh, prob- so many problems with Mike and it seems like, you know, they're stepping on the same uh, problem again, uh, on the same risk.
1: Well, first of all, I'm kind of offended with the comparison because Mike James is like one of my favorite players. But I, I, w- in I would in pick Shred, I would yeah. pick Mike James
0: over Schwed. actually. I would definitely pick
1: Mike James over Schwed. if we talk about basketball. There are some things we cannot know what happens inside the dressing room of the team. And Mike James was suspended two times. And it was not because he is like playing bad. He was like the MVP of the first part of the EuroLeague season. And he was MVP of December or or some other month. And it seemed like he's having uh, the best season of his career. But then something happened. And with Alexi Shved, the problems we're talking about mainly are related to basketball. Because he is not labeled as a bad guy. I never heard from anyone that he's like a dressing room problem.
0: There is some narrative, let's say. But yeah, he's he's not a bad guy.
1: Even from Lithuanians that coached him or, or... Played with him, they all say that in, tra- in practices he, he's just a normal guy, like he's not the one who gets into conflicts or something like that. But once again, now he's gonna be coached. With all the respect to Rimas Kortunitis, Alexi Schwed was not coached in
0: Himki, and it's not Himki where Schwed was bigger than the club. Yeah, he's now only a part of the big club. Yeah, and. When you mentioned
1: Kevin Pangos, well, of course, if if Pangos would join CSK, I, I do see Pangos and Hackett as an amazing duo. I mean, Hackett is 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 the experienced guy who can make others around him better. If Pangos has some issues on 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 defense, Hackett is there to cover. And Hackett improved as a shooter. He has been playing for CSK so great. I would say, for the last couple of years, he was their second best player after Will Clyburn. And of course, Clyburn had injuries, but he came back and he's just as strong as he was.
0: Yeah, my, my only regret is that uh, Hackett is getting older. He's already at 32 or 33, something like that. So it's, it's, that's my only regret, because he was just wonderful in the past few years. I think few he years. still has uh, like… A he's 34, speed. actually. He's going to be 34 in December, well, wow. From what I see, I
1: believe he, he still has, like, two good seasons in him in, in this level. Mm. Uh, you have all these other guys, like Marius Grigon is coming in for Darren Hillard, I would say, in in the shooting guard spot. We know Marius very well. We know what he can bring to the team. But when you see all these signings of Schwed, maybe Pangos, they still have Hockett. You're going to have to compete for your minutes, it will not be easy. They will have a really deep roster. Yeah,
0: and all these guys have big egos, so that's another thing of you know being but, a good manager.
1: But it's good that you mentioned uh, Nikola Milutinov. He's coming back. B- before that injury, uh, the first few months for him were kind of hard. Dimitris Sitoudis was not used to playing with these type of bigs because in the past he was successful with centers like Kyle Heinz, like Otello Hunter, and now he got Milutinov and Shengelia, so. Had to change his game style a little bit, but Milutinov had a like a breakthrough. He had an amazing month. He was crashing the boards. And then the injury happened. But he will come back and he will be one of the best centers in EuroLeague for sure. And I think also that Tornike Schengelia could have a better season than the first one, yeah. because the first year, I understand, were not so easy for him. He changed the environment from playing in Bosconia where he was appreciated by everyone, he was their key player, he was the star man, and he went to CSK where the demands are so high, every year you have to be in a Final Four, you have to be a champion, and you're not necessarily the main guy now. And it also took time for him to adjust.
0: Yeah, and, and I think in the second season he he can be much better. Probably, as far as I know, he's working a lot with his shooting mechanics. He's yeah. uh, he's probably completely changing his uh, shot. The last year, his three-point percentage was only 31. So, if he's gonna improve, uh, if, if he's gonna improve in this area, and as, as you said, there will be some natural adjustment and natural improvement of being, you know, uh, playing in CSK for for the second season. Yeah, that's also another upgrade for. It's for good CSK. to
1: hear that because. Dimitri Situdis, he loves those guys that can stretch the floor. Like the stretch four, he needs that. He had Alec Peters, he had Andrei Voronsevich. he has Johannes Voitman that really fits the system as a stretch four. And Tornike Shengelia mainly playing as a power forward. If
0: he can improve his shooting, he will help the team a lot. I mean, when we talk about all these pieces of CSK, everything seems to be so solid, so logical. But I, I, am trying to imagine that conversation. Probably it was in the bar, you know, about the idea how they come up uh, with the idea to sign Alexei Shved. Some, you know, some shots of vodka <laughs> would have been, you know, on, on, well. should have been on that table because it's it. He brings some nasty, you know, on that team. Well, that's Russia. I mean, it, it prop- just uh, Alexei, Shved,
1: Alexei Shved probably uh, himself. He he needs to be in Moscow. He doesn't want yeah, yeah. To want to be in 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 Krasnodar or anywhere else. He wants to be in Moscow. He has business there.
0: His wife wants to be there probably. And for example, if he was about to leave uh, Russia, I would have imagined him in FS, actually. I I think that he would fit Ataman system and maybe Real Madrid, because they're also playing the game which, you know, Alexei would fit in.
1: But there are so many red flags for these clubs. And when you talk about Alexei,
0: there's always red flags. No disrespect
1: to Alexei Schwed, but but, I mean, if he was... uh, if he was ambitious, he would have never left the NBA, in my opinion, because it's not like he left the NBA for Real Madrid or Barcelona, where he could win titles. He left the NBA for Himki. First of all, <laughs> playing in Euro Cup, then the then Euro League, but you know it's Himki. If we look at his talents and his skills, of course he can play in the NBA. He can be a twelve points per game guy on a mediocre NBA team. But, I don't know, he probably didn't have any ambitions to be there. And to prove something, to get on a winning team, to have a role, maybe make make a run in playoffs at some point, probably he didn't have any ambitions at all, and and just thought like, oh, Himke, they have a good offer for me, I will be like Tsar in there. (laughs) So I'm going there. And for Dimitris Etudes, I believe every player needs to be ambitious. Because he has proven that he will not tolerate a player who might disrespect the team or disrespect the rules. That's what happened
0: with Mike James. So it, It's just going to be one more reason why it will be fun to watch CSK well, basketball the next season. That
1: for sure. And of course, it will be interesting for us to see Marius Grigones as well oh, yeah. joining an elite team that plays in
0: the Final Four every year. And probably the last borderline winner we should mention is... Barcelona, I think. I mean, it's not like they made some huge sign-ins. Their only new guy is Sertac Shanli, and Rokas Jokubaitis' contract uh, uh, announcement is also, you know, coming to be soon. Uh, But when we talk about Barcelona, when we talk about Charas, it's very important to understand how how important for him is the continuity of the club, uh, how important for, for him it was to keep the core, and when you remember his years in Jargiris it was also you know a long journey of you know going step by step, game by game, season by season. And it's r- really great to see Barça extending Corey Higgins, uh, for example. And we're we're gonna wait you know to to see what they're gonna assign for the backup point guard position uh, to play with Nick There are rumors that Nicolas Slaprovitola will join the team. There were rumors that Nikola Kalinic gonna replace uh, Hanga, but uh, surprisingly. He went to Red Star, so we, we're still waiting uh, all these, you know, signings. But I think they're, the signing is gonna be good. Uh, this signing is gonna be with, you know, with the idea uh, how Shara's, you know, when. He, when we talk about Chávez, he, he sees basketball in different eyes and he sees his players in some specific roles. So I have no doubts that he's going to find right pieces. But yeah, they they kept all the core and they already had a great season with winning uh, a Spanish Cup, uh, Copa del Rey, I mean, uh, also mm-hmm. ACB Championship. And they were a runner-up uh, team in the EuroLeague. So it's, it was already a great season, gr- great You know, base uh, to build something huge, what Charis is trying to do over there in Barca.
1: It was a season with great results, but not necessarily the best basketball they can bring. You're not a fan of uh, Barca basketball, right? Well, I wouldn't put it this way. I Mm. would just say that last season it was not completely Shara's team. Yeah. That's the impression I got, especially from the playoff series with Zenit was so difficult for them to beat Xavi Pascual. Um, I believe Barcelona is a work in progress. It's just that Ysikovic just needs to make his signings. Uh When he got the job, it really wasn't his team. There were players... Yeah, that, that,
0: that's a fact. He, he mentioned it.
1: Yeah, there were players that, okay, he probably... I mean, Corey Higgins is the best shooting guard in EuroLeague. I cannot imagine any coach that would say, I don't want... Corey Higgins on my team (laughs) would be crazy. But there were guys like Thomas Ertel and some others that not necessarily shot a season in his his plans. Mm. Okay, so step by step, some players they don't need are leaving. Some players they do need are joining. Sertat Shanli, it's an interesting one, right? Oh, yeah. If we would talk about Shanli two years ago, what we would say? We would say,
0: well, he's that guy,
1: probably. He's a Turkish guy on a Turkish team because they need some Turkish players, so he just fills the roster. He's like a third center behind Dunstan and Plyce. Then last year, the pick and pop, the pick and roll, scoring, offensive rebounds, his quick hands, everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of credit it, goes to it, Vasa Misic, of course, and Shin Larkin. Yeah, but you're going to have great guards in Barca too. And, and the guy
1: is like uh, 27, I believe. It's not
0: like he, less, he, yeah.
1: he's 20 years old and he made his progress. He's 27 and now he's beginning to play his best basketball and, get, and getting his best contract. 29, so he's, he's almost his peak, yeah. he's almost a veteran. And it will be interesting to see how Charas wants to use a guy like this. I do imagine the idea that, like, okay, they have to face Real Madrid a lot, throughout the season. So we get the one of the best pick and pop centers and we attack Walter Tavares in these matchups all the time because you do have Renan Davis as well. Uh, very mobile, very athletic center. You do have Piero Riola, the captain of the team. And then you add Sertar Lee. So I'm, I'm really waiting to see what other signings they will make. But anyways, it's a great roster and they have the coach that can lead the team to titles. He has proven that last season. Uh, they had difficulties, they had bumps, but they still won the double in Spain and they were in the finals
0: of the Euroleague. Okay, so let's go with losers?
1: Well, yeah, let's go with those teams that didn't make such a good impression.
0: Yeah, on I, us. and again, it's not about the bad management mostly, just about the huge departures. Well, Euroleague is
1: a budget league anyway, so sometimes you just cannot get a player as good as the one that played for you previously because you don't have that much and money. you cannot cope like, with like all a, these powerhouses. Like, we're not going to mention Zalgiris among the losers, but how do you replace Thomas Walkup? I mean, how do you find someone who is just as good as Thomas Walkup with the wallet that Zalgiris has? It's probably impossible. So you look for some other guys that can bring some other things to the team. So, yeah, talking, uh, talking about losers, first of all, I wanted to mention Unix Kazan. They are coming from EuroCup but why I would consider them as the losers in the market. Because when you are making this next step from EuroCup to EuroLeague, I personally would expect this team to keep the spine, to keep the coach, to keep the key players. But Coach Priftis left for Panathinaikos, Jamar Smith left the team, they extended Isaiah Cannon, who was like the mini version of, Shane Larkin in the Euro Cup, but he's not as consistent, he's a liability on defense they still need like two signings point guard, shooting guard, and also a center I believe I like the addition of Will Thomas, but they had great bigs last year, they were a good offensive team, uh, Dimitris Priftis seemed like a coach who knows how to I don't know, work with these American style players and, and, and play the game the, the way they are the way, the way that's best for them and now all of these changes and they're changing their whole team. Why? I, I wanted them to keep the same team and go yeah. to the EuroLeague.
0: Probably, you know, not everything was in their own hands. For example, when we talk about Priftis, uh, I was hearing that he he was really missing home and not yeah. j- also because of the COVID, uh, because families couldn't uh, follow the players and the, the coaches. And he was missing home because he worked, uh, you know, outside the country for, for many years. Uh, So, you know, maybe it was a really personal decision for him to go back home and to coach, you know, uh, a team of your country, one of the biggest teams in the history of uh, Greek basketball. So maybe it was improvement for him and it was not in the Unix uh, front office hands to to retain him. Maybe, but listen. But for example, Jamar Smith was so surprising. I mean, 34 years old. I I love him in in Kazan and now he's going to, okay, probably, you know, Unix also has money. and so Okay, Bakhtis, Bakhtis- uh probably paid him a lot, but I don't see why Unix couldn't digest, match it.
1: It's hard to digest because you're going to EuroLeague, Jamar Smith is 34 years old. He has He's a proven leader on your team. You should do everything to keep him. I don't believe that this Turkish team has so much money that Unix Kazan cannot match it. So, and regarding... Dimitris Priftis. it is strange because he coached Unix for four years, he led them to the EuroLeague, and now when they got to the EuroLeague, he's -hmm. going. And they replaced him with Coach Perasovic. Coach Perasovic, last we saw him in EuroLeague, it seemed like he's a little bit outdated. I know he also loves the fast-paced basketball. He was successful at some point in Bosconia. But when you saw this, like they're replacing Priftis with Parasovic, it's not like you think, oh, that's immediate success. Vice versa. You're thinking he could be one of the first coaches to get sacked next season because like he, Coach Parasovic, we didn't hear anything about him for the past couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Once again, it's a strange move, I would say.
0: Yeah, and I'm very intriguing, you know, to see and to wait what they're gonna sign because so far there, let's say, for me it would be, uh, it looks like it would be hard for them even to compete for the Euro Cup uh, title with this roster. So we need, they, they wait sign, for some Andrej
1: Voroncevic, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> Euroleague you know? champion, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> no, nah, but Will Thomas signing is is great. Yeah, yeah, that's for the sure. move I
0: like the but most. And that that's why I'm sad, you know, I feel uh, bad for, for Zenit because I, I love him in, in St. Petersburg.
1: But still they are three or four signings away from playing quality EuroLeague basketball and competing. Well, I, I do believe that they should be going to EuroLeague thinking top eight, making the playoffs. Yeah.
0: With the, this club you know, played in, in, in with the roster and playoffs. the game they played last year, they could have been, you know, playoff yeah. contenders right now. I don't see them, you know, being higher than 15th seed or something like that. And in the past, they were in, in the EuroLeague playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember their, their series Kate, with Kate Barcelona. Uh, they Langford times or not?
1: Um, not sure. They had like a guy, Henry Domerkant uh, back okay. in the days. It was, so it was, it was a very, <laughs> d- very defensive team. Okay. But they did make the playoffs. Domerkant was great, actually. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of the okay, losers,
0: I would say, on my list. Uh, You know, when you go so high, you fell down, you know, with so much pain and it was difficult for Bayern Munich, you know, uh, let's say to keep that level when they were already an overachievers and who, who have odds, you know, that Wade Baldwin and um, Jalen Reynolds gonna be uh, one of the, let's say, best players of the EuroLeague season, uh, the last year. So it was uh, really tough Uh, task for Bayern Munich front office to replace them. But, you know, in the end of the day, I have to say that these, you know, departures were too painful for the team. And I have to say that they're kind of, you know, losers in terms of what they lost and what they bring. Uh, I know that they didn't have any chance and didn't have any hope, let's say, to keep uh, Jalen Reynolds. It was a bit different story with uh, Wade Baldwin. And we, and Also, when we talk about these two guys, we talk about two guys who were, you know, scored 29 points per game uh, combined. And it was, uh, I checked, you know, top eight EuroLeague teams and uh, uh, neither of uh, uh, any other, you know, teams didn't have uh, such a, you know, big uh, uh, loss in terms of uh, scoring, in terms of having such a great duo like uh, Reynolds and, and Baldwin. and. Bayern had some hopes uh, to keep uh, uh, Baldwin. Uh, what is interesting that uh, he had some bad feedback from German league uh, because you know he was he was too problematic for the referees, maybe for the all you know whole image of the German league. Uh, but uh, the funny thing is that uh, of course uh, Bayern was uh, the. Uh, leaders uh, in technical fouls in the Euroleague, 27 technical fouls, seven of them for Baldwin. And I I was surprised by all these rumors uh, about the German league, you know, and them, you know, being concerned about Wade Baldwin. Uh, It was, let's say, said that, uh, you know, he was like persona non grata in in (laughs) Germany, which is funny because I don't know what are the rules in Germany, but for example, in LKL, when you get a technical, you pay sixty euro for the league. You, you can be fined for flopping uh, in LKL for one hundred euro, and for the ejection, there's a fine of three hundred euro. So, I think that Wade Baldwin, you know, was making the German Bundesliga, uh, let's say, richer uh, league with his presence uh, in the tournament. Uh, but yeah, to be serious, uh, you know when Unix was also involved in the in negotiations with Baldwin, it was clear that Barden won't uh, be able, you know, to keep him because when we talk about Barden, maybe f- we think that we think about the football club behind it. And, but it's not like in Barca, it's not like in Real Madrid. They're not putting football money, in yeah, them. and they they're let's say they're living from themselves from yeah. ticketing from marketing and basketball club is a completely a separate, uh, let's say organization uh, community. And they don't have all these money, so it was just impossible to keep a player like with Baldwin. And uh, okay, uh, we see that they signed, they're signing Corey Walden. I like Darun Hillard, but it's just impossible to replace uh, the players in terms of what kind of impact they were making the last year.
1: Well, I have to quote the great Joel Embiid. Trust the process. Okay. And the process is Andrea yeah. Trinchieri, right?
0: Which is big victory for Bayern.
1: No one is under this utopia that Bayern is going to make the playoffs every year now. But they have some young guys who can develop. They have some players like, I don't know, Jean Shishko, for example, that can get better. Um, if they do sign Corey Walden, I, I would say it's a strong point guard. He has proven himself in, in, in Belgrade. They need a center, that's obvious. They will need to sign a center and they will have to look probably at those guys that are rejected by the NBA to find their new Jalen Reynolds. But you just... I do agree that they are losers of the market because they lost too much. But you just have to believe that Andrea Trinchieri knows what he's doing and he will have the right pieces. And another thing, Vladimir Lucic is really one of the best small forwards in EuroLeague. So you still have a guy to build around. Oh, yeah. If he stays healthy, he's elite. He's a great player. And the squad, the roster may not look like a playoff material, and it doesn't have to be. For Bayern, what is success for Bayern? If they finish, if they finish 10th place, would you say it's a success? I would say yeah. Yeah, it's a good if, season. If it's like they a f- are playoff contenders all the time. If it's like a 50% winning season, like 17 and 17, it seems good. And now if the pandemic is gone, they can fill the arena. If the fans are back, they can generate more money and they could get stronger in the future. So I don't see so many problems for them. Of course, Baldwin and Reynolds were great. But you knew it. You knew it was going to happen. It was like something you couldn't control. Yeah, okay, but let's wait and see because last season prior to the last season, if we w- if we were talking about Bayern, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have imagined that they would have such a journey yeah. where they
0: were this close to beating Milano. Yeah, because we can remember that Wade Baldwin, uh, Wade Baldwin, who he was—he was the guy who had a fight in the practice. Uh, he couldn't adjust in Olympiacos. Jalen Reynolds was also—we knew that he's a really athletic guy. Uh, he's fun to watch, but we didn't expect that. You know, he can t- contribute as a such an important center for the top eight team, who was who had a probably the best fairy tale story uh, of the year. So maybe that's you now that's the path to follow for Corey, Wal- uh, Corey Walden. That's the path to follow for Darun. He learned, you know, to regain his confidence, regain his stock. And yeah, a lot of depends on who they're going to sign uh, for the front line. Although I like uh, Paul Zipser extension, uh, I would love to see DJ Sealy uh, on the team, but it seems like he's he's leaving uh, probably. But yeah, as I said, you know, when there's a tunkeri a huge victory, you know, uh, contract extension for him, uh, you know, there's a lot of hopes that they can be great contenders for the playoff position again. And another team I
1: want to mention is Panathinaikos. They took so long to find a coach. They announced Dimitris Priftis, I don't know, quite recently. And they seem like a little late with signing players. June
0: 26, yeah. Uh,
1: Extending Yanis Papapetro is, of course, uh, a big achievement for them. He's a key player. He's like the face of the team right now. So is the big guy Papayanis, but they lost Mitoglou, one of the better Greek players, I would say, and and he's going to Milano. And just as it was in the past years, they are filling these spots in the roster with unproven American players, which they usually fire in like December, and they sign new ones. And I'm just afraid it's going to happen all over again. Seeing Kendrick Perry, Daryl these all these guys. Okay, Ocaro White is someone that the coach knows. He coached him in, in Unix. It should be fine. But then again, you have a team that's dependent on Nemanja Nedovic. And why is that bad? Nemanja Nedovic is a very talented player. I have nothing against him. I have no doubts about his skills. But he gets injured all the time. So if you are building a team around the Manjinovich, it means you're building the team around a guy who misses like 30% of the regular season games. And I just don't believe they can be a winning team. Although Dimitris Priftis seems like a really good coach and he's going to Greece and he's going to coach one of the biggest clubs in Greece. But I don't know, I just don't have a good feeling about them.
0: Yeah, it seems like the Pantnaikos cannot find their identity after Nikolaitis uh, left. And, you know, it's much easier uh, to build a team around Nick because he's kind of, you know, the found base uh, of the team. And, you know, when we saw all these uh, sign-ins, again, of unproven American players, it was different because it was all about Nick. Uh, Papa Yannis was also uh, a good piece. Papa Petro uh, later joined the team. So you always knew that with Nick, you, you're you going to be for sure a playoff team. And with some good sign-ins, with some luck, you might be, you know, a Final Four contender. Right now... Um, you know, if their identity is to build a team uh, around Nemanja Nedovic, okay. What's the situation with, with Mario yeah. Uh It's not clear yet, actually. There are a lot of hopes that he's going to stay. For sure, that, gonna be, that would be a, a great uh, addition uh, for the team, a great situation uh, for the team. But I'm not sure if he solves, you know, uh, Pantnayko's uh, problems. I'm just, as I said, I don't see their identity uh, yet. And yeah, uh, as, as I said, you know, if their identity is to build a team around Nemanja Nidovich, you have to take, uh, you know, take in mind all these risks uh, you mentioned.
1: Okay, Hezonia if he stays, of course, he makes them better. We saw it last season already when they were not made in, making the playoffs, but they got Mario Hezonia and they got better. At least they were playing better basketball on offense. Dimitris Priftis in, in Kazan, he was... Uh, he seemed like an offensive coach. Maybe it's because he had players like this, but his team was playing fast, high-scoring games. Maybe that's what Panathinaikos needs right now. Uh, I kind of like Panathinaikos as a club, so I I don't want them to be bad, yeah. but I just don't don't feel like they will be very successful next season.
0: And I think that we have to talk about the other green team. I mean, I think that Jalgiris is is also one of the teams I would put on a list of uh, losers or this free agency. Again, uh, again, uh, when we talk about these teams uh, with low budget, uh, it's you know a lot of is out of their hands. Uh, but I cannot, you know, not to mention uh, the loss of Midas Grigonis, who was their go-to guy, one of the best shooting guards in the EuroLeague the last season, until March when he stopped playing. The EuroLeague rising star, Rokas Jokobaitis, uh, he's a uh, next big thing in the EuroLeague. True captain, Tom walkup uh, one of the best defenders in the EuroLeague. Nigel Hayes, great stretch four, uh, very... Um, smart uh, guy who could, you know, play multiple position. Augustin Rubit was also, you know, a good role player, great teammate, so, and we are talking about the one team and all these losses, it's just too much uh, for, for one team. They lost top scorer, they lost the one of the top defenders in the tournament, one of the best player, young players in the EuroLeague. I mean, it's just too much. Although I like uh, some of the upgrades, like I, I, I love Josh Nebo. I think that he's going to be great. I mean, he's he, he going to be one of the uh, most athletic uh, um, guys in the tournament. I think that uh, Kavanaugh uh, can replace Hayes in terms of, you know, stretching the floor. He can be even... Uh, uh, better uh, shooter from the outside, but he cannot replace Nigel's uh, defense. And of course, we still have to wait what they're going to sign for the uh, backcourt uh, positions. Uh, Point guard and shooting guard positions. Uh, the problem is that they no, don't have a lot of money. I'm hearing that you know the maximum amount of money they're offering for the one season is like something from three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand euros. So it's you know not not there's not a lot of money in their bank account. You know to impress with their signing. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough season uh, for Jarderies in my eyes.
1: Well, it's the type of situation where you are forced to sign what's left rather than mm-hmm. what you wanted. Or oh, you well, we have to take risks and yeah.
0: players from the NBA if, environment.
1: If we're hearing names like Norris Cole, well, it means you're going to go for someone who's not going to be better than he was. Well, he's a veteran. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but as a main point guard, is he the guy that could lead Jalgeris? Knowing that we saw Thomas a elite defender, eventually a great point guard. I'm not so sure. I mean, knowing Martin Schiller, he probably needs a scoring point guard. Yeah. He needs a, that.
0: He's looking for two aggressive uh, guards, maybe even more combo guards.
1: So kind of Norris Cole might seem the guy, but I'm not sure if he's... He is the guy. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if he's consistent enough. Yeah. Like He was not playing on good EuroLeague teams. He was playing... He played in Maccabi first, but then it was teams like Budućnost or ASVEL or, or Monaco in, in the Euro mm-hmm. Cup, so it's not like he was playing for those elite clubs. Um What you mentioned about uh, the new signings, it will be interesting with Edgar Solanovas. They addressed mm. the small forward position because it was a problem last year because of what happened with Patricio Garino. They were basically playing the whole season without a real small forward. They had to move Hayes to this position, they had Basturia. to play Vasturia, yeah. which was very unsuccessful. And it will be interesting because Edgar Solana was, like I said, he was mismanaged by Igor Kokoshkov mm-hmm. because there were no post-up situations. But will there be with Martin Schiller? Does Martin Schiller need a post-up guy in I the would third be surprised. position? Doesn't seem like he does. Mm-hmm. And if if not, Edgar Solana was coming back from injuries. It, the problem was not only that he did not get the ball in the post, he also had injuries. He skipped the Lithuanian national team this summer because he needed to deal with his pro- own problems. So it's sort of like a rehab season for Edgars. And you cannot be 100% sure that he solves the small forward problem.
0: Of course, there's Niels Giffey as they well. They will, I mean, I think that Giffey and Ilhanovas is for sure an upgrade. Well, they will have bodies, they will have bodies, yeah. but will these bodies be quality enough? That's
1: the question. And, okay, Mantas Kanieta is back point guard, veteran, loves the club, we all know that. But as you said, it's a budget team. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. And when you don't have a lot of money, you need to make these sort of modest signings. And it will be the season where we will see the real Martin Schiller, I believe. Uh, because first he took over the team with point guards and shooting guards already prepared by Yasikiewicz. Now this is Schiller's team.
0: Uh, You know, it's I. I wouldn't. I I won't judge Schiller uh, by this season because you know it's his team. But as you said, it's a very low budget team. Yeah. So I'm. I will Budget decreased like in three or four million. So it's a huge decrease. I
1: will not judge him by the I don't know position in the rankings. Mm. I will judge by the style of play. Whether it will be, but I don't expect anything
0: new. I mean. It's going to be, again, free-flow basketball, you know, with a lot of uh, uh, players, you know, making decisions, no structures like uh, we were used to. So I don't s- expect anything different because all these backcourt players going to be, you know, the guys who can, you know, uh, change the game, who can, you know, make the final decisions and not to wait anything, you know, any calls from from so the baselines.
1: If they can stay competitive and play this type of free-flow basketball... That's enough for me. Yeah. Because I'm not demanding Ralgiris it's seven million to euro to budget team so. to be in discussion for, for the playoffs. No. It doesn't seem realistic at it, at this time. So yeah. but uh okay, so Martin Schiller is now facing some real European basketball type of challenges where you have a budget one year and next year it's mm-hmm. Three millions less, and then you have to adjust the situation. So he's like a coach coming from American environment, although he's from Austria and he knows German basketball. But now he sees the reality of the EuroLeague, where the club has to make some sacrifices, and we'll see how he'll
0: deal with it. Who, who you think? Uh, who do you think that they could sign uh, for the backcourt positions? Uh, from the players we see on the market, for example, there are some st- players left. Uh, I know that Lorenzo Brown was one of the guys they were targeting, but it seems like he's too expensive. I would love to see Eric McCollum on this team, actually, uh, based on what kind of uh, basketball Schiller likes, but he's also uh, too expensive. Uh, La Provitola probably is going to Barca. Jalen Smith was also uh, available, he's still available. Who do you think would be a great fit?
1: Well, it's kind of hard to tell a name, but I would say this, from those that you mentioned, Eric McCollum, liability on defense, aging, Mm. not something I would like to see. I would actually like to see Ralgiris being creative and maybe gambling a little bit with some... G-League borderline NBA type of player, I would want an athletic point guard who could defend. Not only score, but he could defend. Because we got used to it, seeing Thomas
0: Walkup, Jalen Smith would fit that picture, I think. Maybe so, maybe so. Uh,
1: And when you have this tight budget, I would invest the most of it to the point guard and just what's left to the shooting guard. Because if you don't get a really quality shooting guard, Well, trust Karolis Lukasunas more as a shooter. Trust the guys that you have already, but you need a point guard, that's for sure. Because, uh, well, Lukas Lekavicius, Mantas Kanietis, they can play with other point guard. It, It can be solved, but you still need a guy who leads the team. So that's the key signing and that's the position where you need to invest most of your money that's left. I don't have a name right now, I'm sorry,
0: no, no, I, okay. I cannot I didn't say, expect like, from, anything from, from, from
1: free agency, but I would imagine that uh, Coach Schiller also, he knows the G League, he knows mm-hmm. coaches from the G League, he can have some contacts and find someone who will be a gamble, but a potentially successful gamble.
0: Yeah. Because teams like Zsargris, they have to gamble. Yeah with the budget like that. Because when we talk about losers of the free agency, probably you can mention Alba Berlin because they lost. Jason Grager, uh, Peyton Siva, Niels Giffey, Fontecchio, Aito Garcia and SSS probably is leaving yeah. the team uh, this summer. So it's uh, also, you know, a huge uh, thing for and the team.
1: And I, I have to say another thing about Jalgiris. Okay. Now seeing what's happening and how they are really struggling to find a new point guard, I'm not so sure if it was a good decision to extend Joffrey Laverne in the middle of the season last year. Uh, I am not
0: so sure. I mean, he... I would have invested you know, all this money for Tom Volkov, for example, because Olympiakos didn't pay him that much that, you know, Jargris couldn't afford.
1: I mean, Joffrey Laverne had a pretty good stat line, but it's not like he's an irreplaceable guy. Now they sign Josh Nebo. He might be the next best thing for Jalgiris at center. So I wouldn't have extended Joffrey mm. Laverne last year. I wouldn't have done that. Knowing that potentially Nigel Hayes is leaving, yeah. that uh, Grigonis is leaving, yeah. that Walkup is leaving, you will have to invest some money there. And I don't think that extending Laverne was the priority at that time. Well, maybe it seemed the right idea, but in hindsight, I would ha- wouldn't have done
0: that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Anything to add? Nope, not really. Probably that's all, right? Because we were about to talk about the biggest needs of the teams, but we are here for almost half uh, <laughs> well, hour and, well, and a half. So you
1: gotta have used to it. Gotta have get used to it because I'm a talkative guy, and if we talk basketball, sometimes my monologues can extend. And you have to interrupt me next time, okay? <laughs> That's okay. You know, it is our <laughs> just first try, so we're yeah. gonna improve. That's good. And we, like I said, want feedback from you guys. Any comments you have, just leave. Yeah, them. You can
0: find our podcast on Basket News YouTube channel, uh, also on audio audio platforms like uh, Spotify, probably Apple Podcasts. Podbean, something like that. Probably all of them. Yeah, you're going (laughs) to see the uh, information in the description. Uh, And for sure, follow us on basketnews.com. I think uh, for the first part, it was great. It was a pleasure, you know, to talk about the free agency things with you, Ritis. So thanks a lot for your time.
1: Yeah, it was a pleasure.